0: Welcome to Change the Narrative. I'm your host, J.D. Fuller, an African-American licensed psychotherapist, professor, diversity coach, consultant, and author. We talk about the isms, we talk about the phobias, anything that marginalizes and oppresses. Everything we are not and everything we are is because of fear. Through a mental health lens, we'll have difficult conversations with celebrity guests, political activists, and everyone in between. Our mind will tell us whatever we want to believe, but the truth lives in the body, and that's where change occurs
1: are you ready to change the narrative? James Joyce III is founder and chief visionary officer of Coffee with a Black Guy, an innovative movement in which he provides consultation and coaching that is rooted in facilitating conversations about race and perspective for community groups and organizations. Joyce is an educator, a former award-winning journalist, and runner-up in the 2021 Santa Barbara mayoral election. We are very excited to jump into some stimulating conversation with James Joyce III today on Change the Narrative with J.D. Fuller.
0: Let's get into it. I, I first and foremost, again, just want to thank you for your grace in my challenges and appreciate that, uh, as you said, meant to be. So we made it happen. And second of
1: all, how are you doing in this crazy world of ours right now? I, look, it, I, I'm going to be completely honest and transparent, every taking it day by day. It, it's not easy out here, right? And, and, the reality of it is life is tough. It throws its challenges and curveballs at each of us at various times for various reasons. One of the things that I came to in 2022 was this concept of this is my year of grace, giving grace to myself, giving grace to other people. And I thought, okay, well, that's going to be over in 2023. But I've had to carry that theme over into this year as well, right? And, mm-hmm. and so allowing myself the flexibility for that. And just like I said, didn't take you know, bite this thing called life one one bite at a time. Yeah, it's all we can do. I appreciate that. And grace
0: is the answer. Grace and gratitude. That's what I'm working with. And you have to and, the uh, door. I, you know, I'm struggling. It's 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 tough. I'm kind of talking about the world night and day. You know, with kids during the day and and clients at night, and so it's a lot. And like you. I'm trying to ground myself in grace, gratitude, and humility, and empathy, just kind of circling around those. And so it it makes things uh, possible. And thanks for asking. Appreciate that. So I have some questions about the connections I'm trying to make. So I'm going to just put it out there. You up and moved to Santa Barbara to work in one of the whitest districts where blacks are only or were only, I don't know what they are now. 1.2 1.2 percent of the population. I need to know what was the sequence of events that led to that? I'm just, I'm going to Santa Barbara.
1: I love how you asked that question. <laughs> I'll give the, the, not the long, not the short, but the medium-sized version, right? And so I found myself in Toledo, Ohio in 2008 as an education reporter for the Toledo Blade. And shortly, uh, and if you recall, that was the battleground territory for the uh, presidential election, right? And so- Ohio is always a challenge. Indeed, indeed. In fact, uh, former President Obama's camped out in Toledo for three days in preparation for the final debate of the 08 election cycle. So uh, on election night, I found myself covering school board races when everyone else's eyes and attention were on the excitement of our first black president elected. Shortly after that, like many newspapers that year, they had to lay off a, a large chunk of the staff. And so I was a part of that. And it was, I believe, 18 degrees and 12 degree, or twelve inches of snow on the ground in Toledo, Ohio. And life was pulling me towards Southern California. I better, better weather, right? And so I, I had to, was exploring some opportunities and other jobs. And I, at the time was in Oxnard. Uh, I landed in in, in in, shortly after, you know, initially landed in North Hollywood, went to Oxnard and was working and living in Oxnard uh, and getting, uh, uh, you know, acclimating myself to the community, my, a likely larger black community than Santa Barbara, but it's still relatively small coming from uh, the outskirts of Baltimore, right? And so uh, just one thing led to another. Opportunities presented themselves and I ended up getting into uh, public service, working for a, a guy who was at the time a city councilman in Santa Barbara, uh, but he was running for state assembly, which included the Oxnard area. And so he hired me as a campaign organizer. I had never done that, but the transitional, the skills were very transitional from being a newspaper reporter. Mm. He got elected, that was Doss Williams. He got elected to the assembly and hired me on his staff. Shortly after, a couple years after he was in the assembly I'd worked for him for a few years one of his former employers ran for the senate seat won that seat and stole me away uh, she came to me and said hey you know I've seen the work that you've been doing in the community and so that at that point that conversation with uh, state senator Hannah-Beth Jackson in California she's somewhat of a rock star she created the women's equity law uh, that has now been implemented across the country uh, women on corporate boards. So she was very high in the equity space. But in doing this work, she wanted me to move to Santa Barbara. So I said, twist my arm, I'm doing the work, here I am. Now, I was very much aware of when I was doing that work, that I was the only Black person between the LA area and the and the, uh, the San Francisco Bay area who was working for a, a legislator. Right? And so I, I understood yeah. what you know, what that impact was and kind of how I navigated those communities. But yeah, that that's the, the medium-sized version of, of, of that story of how I got to Santa Barbara.
0: That's helpful. I, I got to tell you, that's extremely helpful. You know, and it's helpful for a couple of reasons. One, it is so common in black bodies where we go where the opportunity is and we have to make sacrifices in the process. That is not new to us. So, I'm familiar with that. And then you have to manage the reality. And it sounds like you've done all of that very well. I also am wondering why in that very same white community you ran for
1: mayor in twenty twenty one. Tell us how that came about. So as I was doing this work, of course, you know, a lot of times as the only black person doing this work in that region, Often, as I show up in spaces doing the job, you know the job that is on paper i'm I'm the only one again, and so I found myself you know that that's not abnormal to me uh, and that's not something that I'm not lightly skilled at navigating, yeah, but then to see the way that folks in that community would respond, whether it was whether who I was working for, the the work I was doing or whatever it was, that kind of pushed me in one direction to start my initiative, Coffee with the Black Guy, had started that in 2016 while I was still working for the senator. She turned out in 2020. And so as I'm working for her and I'm hosting these conversations in the community and then it grows into something a little bit more where people and organizations are reaching out to me to bring me in to facilitate, I see there's value in in being my authentic self in in no matter how uncomfortable it is. Fast forward to 2020, and the, the drumbeat for being your authentic self and showing up authentically, you know, unapologetically Black, as they were saying, right, in, in spaces became the norm. And, and so I, I found myself gathering, gaining community connections. What they they the community cachet, like I'm not a rich man by any means, but I had a lot of connections or and still do have a lot of connection and and was looking to leverage that. I had worked ten years at that time in the state legislature, essentially being the eyes, ears, and sometimes the mouth for the state senator for a close to a million people throughout the region. And then there was a leadership void in Santa Barbara. Uh and I said, Well, you know, I've got a skill set that can be useful. And the thing that, that, that was needed at the time was this ability to convene conversations and bring folks together, no matter what the issue. Uh, if we're talking about where money is being spent in, in, in the city budget, that's a much easier conversation than racism in America for me. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I, I feel felt as though there were a lot of transitional skills that would have been beneficial for the city and put my hat in the ring to, to, to run for, for mayor of Santa Barbara in 2021. And ended up finishing runner up ahead of the the incumbent, and it was slightly a crowded field. It was uh, it was six candidates in there. Um, um, uh, was able to 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 uh, get runner up there, and was really proud of the folks that came out in support, the folks that voted for me, the folks that still come up to me and explain you should have been our mayor, and these are the reasons why, and it is exactly why I ran. So for me, that's that's like the th- that's a communication and a messaging victory. That's building community. That's a victory, right? On small levels, and you know that's the best we can do in our, in, in our small spe- spheres. So be it. I I mean that's incredibly impressive. Congratulations for that. W- w- would you do it again? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, it's, I I, I, I pause because of the way that you asked the question. Would I do it again if the circumstances were right? Okay. But at, at the time, I'm I'm not looking to run this next round. I have no interest in that. My life is taking a, a different direction. I'm a, a new father to a six-month-old daughter. Congratulations. Um, I, I, I I, wouldn't, I don't want to have to make that decision, the people or my family. Right. And so I, I realize I still do have the skill set, but there are other folks out there uh, that are, you know, quality leaders and, and worthy of support. It'll be interesting to see how it all works out uh, this next one. Wonderful.
0: Parenting can definitely change your priorities. So that is understandable. <laughs> We're going to get into coffee with a black eye, definitely. Sure. I just wanted to ask a question about this. I had a visceral response to this Washington Post article on your LinkedIn mm-hmm. about some new research. I don't know how new it was or is, but reveals the physiological impacts on experiencing racism and how, it, you know, what it can have on the, the individual, including depression, PTSD, diabetes, obesity. Constant racial stress wears down the brain and body and sets underrepresented groups at even more disadvantage in achieving equity. Equity is that word for me that I've been really wrestling with because I'm I'm really trying to figure out is is it really a thing in society? Is it something really that can be achieved? I'm feeling a bit doubtful about it, but I like people's different perceptions to inform mine. And then then it goes on to say, you know, that's one of the many reasons why we do the difficult work that's necessary. And I I disagree with that slightly because I I think we do this difficult work because it's a matter of
1: life and death. Absolutely. Yeah, you agree? Uh, Absolutely. And and I've said that almost every time I gather a group and I'm asked this why question, trying to get at that, it it is a matter of of life and death for me. I do subscribe to the concept of both and, right? So I, I do believe that you know, some of the things that were said in the article, I, I understand that, you know, I posted the article, but my sister has been telling me about this concept of weathering for years since I've been doing this work of how racial trauma and dealing, confronting racism front on can weather your body, weather your soul and all of that. And, and of course it's my older sister. So it didn't make sense until I read it in an article. I posted, mm-hmm. Right. So I, I, that is a reality. Right. And, and. You know, you may look at some of my bios, and it says, you know, uh, my aim is to combat and, and put an end to racism. That's a lofty goal. I, I, I have no, I, I'm not a polyanist individual. I don't think that that's actually going to be achieved, but it can still be our goal, right? And so we can still work towards it, and we can chart our progress in that path. But it is absolutely a, 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 an element of life and death every time. You know, just just seeing uh there was an incident uh in Cal in California here just this week where law enforcement were beating a man who's supposed they uh who led uh law enforcement on a on a high speed chase. He ran into a, a telephone pole and then the law enforcement officers pulled him out the car and were beating him while he was down face down, arms spread out, right? And uh I was having conversations about that with With the context of I've been told specifically from law enforcement officers, if you run from us, I'm going to beat your ass when I catch you, right? I've also had friends in law enforcement who said when suspects run from us, oh, they got to get it when we catch up with them, right? I understand that mentality. That is why it's a matter of life and death. I can impart one seed of uh, perspective, one seed of humanity in some of those cycles, whether it's somebody who's related to or even an enemy to one of those officers engages in a conversation, get the light bulb turned on, goes and has a conversation and that officer overhears it, that's going to have an impact, right? So that's what I talk about, about planting a seed. I can't concern myself with Fertilizing it. I can't concern myself with watering. All I do is plant. There are other practitioners out there who, who do the other stuff. All okay? right. But understanding that sometimes people just need an entry point to their own discovery. Sometimes folks need an extended hand to see in a different perspective and the value. Yeah. That, that's, I think I kind of went off on a tangent on that. No, question, but I actually not, actually not. I so think you.
0: I think you, uh, gave a well-rounded answer and I totally agree with And. I, I definitely agree with And. I also think that, you know, if there's any humanity in individuals, you have found a way to reach it. And I'm a firm believer that people learn in relationships with others. And so that's what you've created with, you know, starting coffee with a black guy. I remember being there early on in my career and feeling like I could tolerate that. Now I'm near the end of this career and I'm like, yeah, I can't tolerate it anymore. But I love that it's being carried on by you and others. I think it's really important. And you said, you know, your goal is to have a social impact movement that seeks to merge the tactile and digital worlds to bring uh, greater understanding, compassion, empathy, and love in our shared global community. Break that down a little
1: bit. We can't hide behind our screens and phones, right? It's real easy to hate from a screen and tweet or whatever they're calling themselves now. And all, mm-hmm. all of this, this stuff that we engage in, that we've been socialized to engage in intentionally. Mm-hmm. The aim is to, to, to break down that interpersonal divide that, 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 that exploits and allow folks to see the humanity. In um, it's really difficult to hate. It's my belief it, that it is really difficult to hate face to face when you don't start in the red zone, right? So if you're sitting down like, out of genuine human curiosity over a cup of coffee and are engaging in conversation, dialogue, that's a very different and difficult environment to hate in. Mm-hmm. When you're in that environment, that's the, na- that's the area where seed can be planted. That's the area for personal growth. Uh, those, those relational connections. There's a, a uh, something called contact theory that, uh, it, it's utilized to explain away racial divisions, right? And so the more contact you have with quote unquote the other, the less other they become.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Philosophically, I get it. Mm-hmm. And I love that you are building on it. I think it's incredibly valuable. I, I think that most people are in an ignorant place about other individuals or individual who, individuals who differ from them. I, I think that, unfortunately, we don't learn a lot in school. And if we don't educate ourselves, you know, people can continue to move through the world with that ignorance. So... I guess another question for you is give us a, give us a feel of what it's like to enter the room and have these conversations at any given
1: meeting. Like, what does it look like? Just a taste. So, so for me, generally I, I, you know, I, I try to get myself in, in a, the right mental space. So I have a playlist that I listen to before I go into any engagement. Right. And so I, I, that allows me to kind of get into this calm space, this developmental space. And when I enter the room, I bring that energy with me, whether it's three people in the room or 130 people. in the room, Right. And, and so uh, I'll enter with that, have somebody from that organization do the why are we here? Why is this important? And basic introduction, because that gives third party buy in. That gives that like you know somebody in house that's going to show buy-ins. This is an important conversation, and we're going to set the stage. From there, I just basically open it up. I have some guiding principles that I encourage uh, folks to, to abide by during these conversations, which help us stay in 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 uh, stay off the gutter and stay in bounds as we're we're, we're through these conversations. I'll introduce those those principles, and then it's essentially town hall format for conversation. So what do you say to people who might say
0: this is another example of white bodies learning what they may choose or choose not to learn or receive at the cost of racial trauma to black bodies?
1: I, right. even I, I, I think that that's a, a fair and accurate statement, but I also believe that if, if not me, who, mm-hmm. right? If, 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 if at that time, you have done this i'm sure there was some like i've got it there was this passion behind doing it and then there's no longer this passion so the torch gets passed on while i still have this passion it is it is my obligation i'll i'll go ahead and say like i feel as if this work is blessed by my ancestors i've broken down in the in the shower crying after having visions brought to me and and i know that sounds very like Southern California. No,
0: no, it actually doesn't. It sounds, it sounds, it sounds like what was robbed of us historically. No, I absolutely believe in the spiritual uh, guidance and, and I think we're all coming to it, particularly in the clinical world. I think we're all coming to a greater appreciation of spirituality and our ancestors in a way that we weren't taught in school to apply theoretically. So I have much respect
1: for that. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank, thank you for that. Cause that's, you know, that, that's warming to, to hear. So thank you. But yeah, so that, that's what a basic session looks like. And then, you know, as we, as we wrap up a session, you know, I always extend myself for follow up conversations. Should folks be interested and reach out and th- something I said doesn't really vibe with you? You need to talk it through a little bit more. And, and, and that's kind of what grew, had, what grew into the consulting. And so I'll go into an organization okay. to just do a one off and then throw enough shit up where it's like, what did you do? They're asking HR questions that we don't know how to answer. And so I, 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 I built in additional coaching hours for however long an organization would like to do that to be able to support them through that and, and, and to continue to provide additional support. And okay. so that, that's just a basic offering. The suite has opened up to, to be, you know, as you gain more skill or as I've gained more skills, I've been able to offer more. And so. I've been working with organizations on their DEI plan, aligning them with strategic uh, five-year strategic plan, working with nonprofit boards and how they're spending their money as they say that they invest in diversity and inclusion, the whole suite of things. And the thing that has popped up that warms my heart is the black folks who have moved to the region, who moved to the region because of Coffee with the Black Guy. There was an attorney who moved from Cleveland, Ohio to Santa Barbara for a job. And when I met him in the community, he says, you're the coffee with the black guy. I remember looking up what you were doing before I decided to move here. And once I saw that the community was doing that kind of work, I said, OK, I can go there. I know the numbers are low, but that's a place where I can go. Um, just over the late, uh, Veterans Day weekend, I had a woman from Arizona reach out who applied for several jobs in the region and reached out to talk through, what does this, this place look like? Asking some of the questions that, that that I'm sure are on your mind as well. And then she was coming to the area for a visit. And so what I was able to do was leverage my community connection and say, here's some events that you can go to and build community around that. How valuable is that Thank to have you. a warm welcome for us, understanding how uncomfortable it can be to yeah. walk into that space as the only. Right. And so, yeah, no, it's great stuff I, that I just, I, that's the stuff that I, I don't, I don't get a paycheck for that. Right. Organizations don't, don't, don't have not invested their value in that.
0: Wait, let, let me reframe that. You haven't figured out how to receive payment for assistance with recruitment, but I believe that's an expansion possibility for you. Right. Look, I, we, we
1: need to talk more often. I like the way you think.
0: <laughs> yes, I, I've been doing this a long time, so you can hit me up anytime you want.
1: Indeed. indeed. Yeah, but but you're, you're spot on with that. You're right. Yes. And, huh? and that's part of being an entrepreneur, particularly a social entrepreneur, is figuring out, look, I have this passion to be a help to my community, to be of service. But we live in a capitalistic society. So how can mm-hmm. I, and I know that there's value to this service. So Absolutely. how can we, we, express that value right yeah and, and and i i'm a firm believer that you invest in the things you care about mm-hmm. right? and,
0: yeah it's and, and and even you know more importantly in a capitalistic society i don't know if they invest in what they care about they invest in what they what cost them <laughs> <laughs> right 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 yeah i think that's it and so they care about that because it might come up some later the bottom line bottom, bottom line oh uh, as we wind down Tell me what the most difficult question is that you receive off the top of your head.
1: (laughs) What's not a difficult, but interesting, right? I'd gone through a first time I had hosted a session with more than a hundred people, had had engagement, great conversations, great discovery. And then one of the last questions, this this white woman stands up and says that she was raised to be colorblind. Mm -hmm. And how that, and and it's like, did you not hear anything I said? But- what I took a deep pause, a deep breath and reminded her that if, if you came to an event called Coffee with a Black guy, when you tell me that you do not see race, you are not being authentic with yourself or anyone else in the room. And when you say you don't see race, you're saying you don't see me because I have shown up unapologetically as a Black, right? And so where can we bridge it? Now, look, I get the, the, the the desire, the idealism of being colorblind. And at a point of previous ignorance in our society, that may have been a good aim. But we have evolved past that. And I need you to see my color. I need you to see my race. And I need you to act equitable once you see that. Right. And I know you you did say that that that, that a concept of equity is, is a challenge for you. And what that means to me is see me, see my race, then forget it. Okay. Right. And see me, see my race and then forget it. Yeah. Do the things that you need to do to make sure that you're treating me equitably with others, with everyone. So that may mean, you know, in, in the educational realm, they call those reasonable accommodations, right? So the concept of reasonable accommodations based on race. And then forget that because we've got a mission to do.
0: And I think, I think my difficulty is that, you know, the true meaning of equity is that you're going to give me more to make up what you robbed me of. And, and they're just not ready for that. They're not, not ready for that, not willing until we become the global majority that they fear. I don't know that systems are, I can even conceptualize what equity looks like. It's not going to be, it's not going to be considered until it becomes a problem for that bottom line. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that, that's the challenge is like, I, I need you to do more
1: than, than you're doing because we've been robbed for so long. So my basic prescription out of coffee with the black eye conversations is get comfortable being uncomfortable, right? That means have the conversations, engage in the, the, the difficult engagements and encounters. Once you're comfortable being uncomfortable, once you know better, do better. So yes. allow that uncomfortability, the things that you learn, the perspectives to plug into your action. And then I think, you know, circling back to something I said a little earlier is invest in the things that you say you care about. So then in like, once you know better, do better, then make sure that that, that, that you invest in the things that you care about. I and, appreciate it seems pretty basic. It seems like, oh, that's a no brainer. But mm-hmm. I believe that if, if organizations, individuals, societies, communities really digest those steps, uh, and, and apply them to their own lives, their own organizations, I think we'll be in a better place.
0: I appreciate that. And I got two more questions for
1: you. What is your response when reparations comes up? Oh, I'm a, Ooh. I'm a wholehearted reparationist. When I started Coffee with a Black guy, I thought it was a pipe dream. That's why I started it as a business and not a nonprofit, because I felt that the business structure was an opportunity to, to, to leverage some of those reparations in my mind, in my immature mind. Since then, I've seen the advances that the state of California has made in, in uh, implementing the task force by, by an act of the legislature signed by the governor. I've seen that movement. I've, I've seen and engaged in many of the hearings that, that have been held for that and, and read through and been a part of some of the public readings for the report that was given. Uh, reparations are due. Reparations are owed. And that makes people very, very uncomfortable. Yes, it but does. Hey, step one, get comfortable being uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's definitely a good one. And, and one I believe in for, have believed in for a long time. So it's good to, good to hear it's carrying on. As we experience racial trauma on a domestic and international level, what do you think black bodies need to do to have access to
1: thriving? Healing. We need to find ways to heal ourselves. Now, we understand that for some folks, that may mean seeking therapy, going to a therapist. For others, and and for for many in our communities, it's been going to church or some sort of religious back falling back. Whatever it is that we need to do to heal ourselves. I am a wholehearted believer in the healing properties of nature. I didn't, again, my sister told me it's called grounding, but I always felt more alive once I walked on the the beach with no shoes on Mm -hmm. or walked in the grass with no shoes. So those are the kinds of things that I believe tapping into whatever it is that you, your community, your family need to help you heal is essential. So I want to push back on that a
0: little bit because I believe that You can't get healed when the wound continues to be ruptured. But I do believe in the healing process as a journey. And I, and I think that, that we put too much pressure on ourselves as a therapist. I practice this as well. I think we put too much pressure on ourselves to end that, you know, at this, to arrive at this place of being healed. And it's like, it's like, it's an ongoing journey. And I think that we need to take some of that pressure off because the world is constantly digging at that wound. You know, it's, it's, it might be too difficult and that's okay. As long as we're on the journey, does that make sense?
1: Healing is definitely a journey. It's not a destination. Yeah. And, you know, you know, a lot of folks like to think they're healed and those are the folks that need healing the most. Understanding the perspective that you enter that goal or that aim with, do you aim to be healed or do you aim to be on a journey of healing? Very, very different. And, and goals, appreciate that.
0: As we wrap up, I just want to thank you for coming on to talk about your experience and and what led you here. And before I do the outro, I want you to
1: talk about where they can find you, hire you, see sure. you. Sure. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for having me uh, and, and your great question, particularly with your background uh, as a therapist and, and someone who's done this work for for, for years. Um, yes. So I, I appreciate you. Um, I appreciate uh, that you keep doing this uh, and we'll encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. Appreciate for it. me, folks can uh, find me at com, or if that's too much, uh, too bulky for you, D-W-A-B-G.com. Uh, it's just short for Coffee with the Black Guy. From there, and I do have some updates I need to do to the webpage, but from there you can connect with all the social media Read some articles. Read some things I've written. Some things that have been written about me and the work that we're doing, as well as uh, uh, yeah, just just shoot an email if folks are interested in, in in booking or exploring the concept of saying, hey, we're dealing with this situation. We think that you might be able to help. Let's talk it through. Um, email me James at CWABG.
0: So a couple of things. First of all, I really appreciate the acknowledgement. You know, as an elder. Uh, and watching you all carry on, it's very exciting. But it's also I got I've had thirty years of skin in the game, so I, I I really do appreciate and value it. Now, having said that, I am going to say I got to be honest. I had a few doubts when I heard about Coffee with a Black Guy. I thought it might be another homogenized version of us trying to take it easy on white bodies and and give them the space to you know be fragile at, at the cost of our pain. But you know, like any other black person who doesn't know, you might initially wonder where are you coming from? Because it could um, potentially sound suspicious, right? So I, I did my my research and, I, and I, I didn't know. I didn't know where this was going to lead. However, after researching you and hearing you speak about your forum, I truly appreciate how you integrate the fact-based aspect along with a humanistic approach. I like that you are facilitating conversations and you are creating dialogue and you're being authentically yourself. I think it's important that different bodies use innovative strategies towards the same desired outcome. So keep doing what you're doing to continue changing the narrative. And thank you so much for being on today.
1: That feels so good to have community pour into you, right? Mm-hmm. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. I mean that. Thank you. That, that, that hit. Thank right you. I was supposed to
0: yeah, receive it all. I don't say anything I don't mean if you've ever watched one of my podcasts.
1: Oh, well, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know that's the truth. That's true.
0: Okay, James, reach out with any inquiries. You know, you
1: know where to find me. I appreciate it, JD. I I really, really. Right on. Take take care, brother. All right. Thank you. Take care. Okay. Bye.
0: Please be sure to like, subscribe, and follow wherever you get your podcasts. And also, leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Thank you for listening to Change the Narrative with JD Fuller.